0: This morning, I'm going to be sharing um, something very powerful that that I I, I found in studying the the book of Ephesus, the letter to the church in Ephesians. It's a very powerful letter, one of my favorites, to be honest, because it's all about spiritual warfare and the armor of God and the church being empowered by God. And it's, it's such a powerful letter, and you can see it's written to a group of believers that understand the deeper things of God. They're a church that's gone beyond just giving their lives to Jesus, but a church that truly served God in the way that they operated. They were a powerful church. In fact, many scholars believe it's one of the churches that grew to the largest size because of its just determination to serve God, to please the Lord. Also, we know that you know Timothy was a pastor in that church, the lead pastor for a period of time. Many believe that Mary, the mother of Jesus, spent her last days in the church at Ephesus. So there's no question, this was some church. This was a very powerful church. But while it was busy being established and developing, Paul writes a letter to them, and in the middle of the letter, towards the beginning of the letter actually, he prays a prayer for this church. This prayer is so profound. This prayer is so powerful. In fact, some scholars believe, they'll go as far as to say that this this particular prayer is possibly the second most important prayer in Scripture. It's debatable, of course. This is just an opinion. After reading it initially and studying it initially, I kind of felt like I don't really think so. But the more I meditate on it, the more I think it's possible that it's definitely close to second. But... It is very powerful, and I really pray this morning that as we dive into this text, that you guys will take this very seriously, because Paul prays this prayer over this church with such a lot of fervency and passion, wanting desperately for this prayer to be answered for these people, for this church. Let's read it together. Let's go to Ephesians 3, verse 14. Ephesians 3. Verse 14. I'm going to read the whole prayer, and then we'll break it down together. He says this. He says, he, he's, he's telling us now about the prayer and how he approaches God, how he approaches the Father in this prayer. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees So that's the prayer. I want to just quickly read in verse 21, he says to all generations. This prayer is not only for that church, most certainly it was for that church, but it's also to all generations. So this prayer is 100% applicable to you and I today. Let's go back to verse 14, Ephesians three fourteen. You must understand that Paul uses certain words and language here to write and for us to understand the intensity with which he prays this prayer. He starts out in verse 14 by saying, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I want you to see that the first thing we must observe is his posture into this prayer. He is bowing his knees to the Father. He's bowing down. Bowing down represents or could represent most certainly a prayer that is desperate. A prayer that is in a form of total surrender, if not worship. We know that bowing the knee or bowing down is a form of worship. So Paul is coming to God coming to the Father in a, in a state, in a prayer of total desperation, surrender, and, and also doing so with total humility. If you read Paul's prayers, at, ne, at the beginning of nearly every letter, Paul addresses the churches with some form of type of prayer, and he never starts like this. The way that he addresses in this prayer is coming to the Father, and in fact, that's actually the second part of, of this first verse. He says, he says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to understand that He's coming to God as a Father. We know that Jesus is the one who revealed the Father to us, that before Jesus, we never had an understanding. Most certainly, the, the people that followed God didn't have a, a revelation that God was actually a Father. And so He comes to the Father, he comes to the Father with total surrender, with total humility, and in a form of of almost like desperation. Because he's about to pray a prayer that is so important for us to grasp in our walk with God, that it is so important for us to fully understand in order for us to truly be successful in our walks with Jesus. So he does this with, with total, just total humility. He goes on and he says this. He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. I want you to see that he says he wants the Father. He's asking the Father, Father, that you would grant them according to the riches of your glory. Now, that's a lot of the riches of God's glory is like it's just like never ending. Are you guys with me? So he's asking very seriously, Lord, to the... You know, he says that, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now watch. To be strengthened... He's speaking about a church that he speaks very highly of. If you look at the address before this in Ephesians chapter number one, you'll see he speaks highly of them. He says, but this, this people, these people of yours, God, I'm bowing my knee, I'm coming to you, the father of, of all the families of, of the earth and heaven and earth, you are the God of everything, Lord. I'm coming to you, Father, and I'm asking you that you would strengthen them. That you would strengthen them. He says this, he says to be strengthened with might, through his spirit in the inner man. The word, the word strengthened there in the Greek is the word krataiou, and it basically means to become strong. So he's praying that the believers, that the church would become strong, and he says that they would become strong with might, and the word might there is the word dunamis in the Greek, which really just speaks of power. That, that they would be strengthened, that they would become strong with power, But look at what he says, and this is so important that you don't miss this through his spirit in your inner man. So this prayer is not a not a not a head prayer, it's not a mind prayer, it's not praying for your mind. He's not praying that your mind would be renewed, he's not praying that your mind would be strengthened, he's praying that your inner man, that your inner man would become strong with power through the spirit to your inner man, to your inner man. He wants your inner man to become strong, your inner man to become empowered. There's something he's about to tell us in just a moment that is so important for us as believers to grasp. I mean, again, understand, he's not talking to baby Christians Yeah, He's talking to a well-matured congregation. Now watch. He says... that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is interesting to me because he says he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, we all know that in order to get saved, we know that Jesus comes and lives in our heart. Are you guys with me? So he says, listen, I want you to, to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner man and he says, and I want you, he says, I want you th- to, un- to, ha- to understand that Christ dwells in your heart through faith. The word dwells there is important because it doesn't speak of something temporary, it actually speaks of something permanent. In other words, he wants you to recognize that Jesus lives in you, that the walk, that, that your salvation, that Christ dwells in your heart and you must, the only way you're going to get this is by faith. Amen. Okay, we, we know that. We, we kind of know that, okay? We understand that Christ dwells in our heart, but now we understand that he's praying this. He's praying it with bended knee to the Father of all of heaven and earth. He's crying out. He's saying, Lord, he said that you would strengthen them, that you would strengthen them with power in their inner man, through the Holy Spirit, so that, Lord, they would know that Christ dwells in them and that they would have faith that he dwells in them. It it sounds sort of simple, but, but he's praying this for individuals that are already saved, that know that Christ in them, the hope of glory. They understand that. But you must understand that as a believer, as a Christian, you come to salvation in many different ways. God will use many different ways to draw us to him. But Paul's wanting us to recognize that it's Christ that dwells in us. He's here all the time. All the time he dwells, he's permanent. He's not going anywhere, are you with me? And that your walk with him, your walk with him and the basis of your walk, why you serve him, your faith in Christ, is so important. Why is it that you serve him? Why is it that you follow him? Why is it that you have faith in him? What did he do? What is it that makes you serve him and walk with him the way that, 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 that Paul desires for us to do so? I'm so glad you're asking so many questions this morning. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. In other words, the foundation, the rooting of your walk with Jesus, your walk with Christ, the roots, the foundation, the grounding of your walk, your salvation, your belief, your faith, must be in love. It must be in love. Because the truth is, is that unless it's like that, there will always be a struggle within you to try to do something based on what you know with your mind. But unless your inner man, unless your spirit man begins to fully grasp the love of God, you will always struggle because your service is based on something other than love. Okay, we'll get there, we'll get there. The battle in the believer is so real. Every one of us have to face this. Paul talks about this, that there's a battle going on inside of us, a battle between the flesh and the spirit. But in order for us to be able to be strong in the Lord, our spirit has to become stronger. It's kind of like when two dogs are fighting, the flesh and the spirit. The one that you feed the most will become stronger. Are you with me? So if you if your spirit is able to understand if your spirit is be able to grow not your mind your spirit then you will become stronger you will become stronger you will be able to deal better with your temptations and sins you will be able to handle trials and tribulations diseases and sufferings and different things we go through grief grief death selfishness, worldliness, problems and circumstances, these things we will be able to handle more when Christ that dwells in our hearts through faith is the grounding of all of that is love. You see, you can serve the Lord for many different reasons. I don't want to go to hell. I want to be a better person. But when you serve the Lord because you know because your inner man, that's why he says, Lord, I pray that you strengthen them, that they become strong, that they become strong with power on the inside of them, through in their inner man, that their faith, that their walk with God would be in Christ that dwells in them, that, that love, that love would be their foundation, would be their rooting, would be their grounding. Because if love is not your foundation, if it's not because you understand and know and love Him, you will never experience what He has for you. You, the reality is, is that so many Christians have a head, have a head faith and not a heart faith. You see, it's love that conquers everything. It's 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 love that, that is. The, what is God? God is. He is love. And until you understand that God loves you, that God sent His Son to die for you, that it's the love of Christ that saves you, and that that's the reason why we chose to follow Him. With tears in our eyes, we recognize the price that He paid. We recognize that, that, that what He did was selfless and just so full of pure, true love. And until we begin to follow Him with our hearts, with our inner man, we will always struggle. So Paul's praying a desperate prayer. But he doesn't stop there because he wants us to understand just how important what he's saying is. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. The, love, love, the foundation, the grounding, the rooting, has to be love. Let me give you just a few scriptures about love in, in the Bible. Just a few that describe the Father's love and the love of Christ. And I'm doing this very specifically. John fifteen thirteen: greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life for his friend. Jesus did that for you and I. There is no greater love. Romans 5, verse 8. But God God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So you're, you're, the fact that you are saved is because Jesus died for you even when you were a sinner. He died for you. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. We just, we just, we just don't get it. We just don't understand it. Or let me put it to you this way: we think we understand it, but we don't understand it where it counts. We don't understand it in our inner man. That's why Paul's praying this prayer, and he's saying, Father, the Father, the Father of, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, with whom the whole family in heaven and earth is created and dwells, Father. I pray that you would, that you, Father, that you would quicken them, that you would, that you would strengthen them in their inner man, Father. And strengthen them with power in their inner man that they would begin to understand that Christ is the one that dwells in them and that Christ it's because of his love it's because of his love are you guys with me amen Romans 8 35 says who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, nothing can separate us from his love. 1 John three sixteen. by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He describes this type of love which is so giving, which is so selfless, but the reality is, is it's very hard for us to comprehend it especially inside of our spirits, inside of our hearts. We struggle to get it. We, we think we understand it in our minds, but Paul is preaching to, 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 to good men and women of God, and he's praying a desperate prayer to the Father that he would open their eyes, that they would begin to understand this. He wanted them to, to understand it deeper. So watch this. Let's go back to verse 18. Ephesians 3:18. May be able that they may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the height of, of the, 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 the width, the length and the height to know the love of Christ which passes, which passes knowledge. Listen, he goes on, and he says this. Let me just read it quickly here, because my, my notes are just giving me a bit of a hard time here. Just give me one sec. Let's just read it. Let's read it from verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ. Stop there for one minute, everybody look at me. He wants us to know this this love that is wider, that is deeper, that that is higher, that is greater than anything else. He wants us to know it. But watch what he says next because it ties into how he starts the prayer. Put it up on the screen, please. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Which passes knowledge. What does that mean? That means that this kind of love, this love, the selfless love that Jesus had for us, that we need to fully comprehend and understand can only be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit, that's why he says, that you, would, that you would quicken them, that, that you would, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would strengthen them with power on their inner man, in their inner man. Watch this. If you go to Corinthians, Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 9. Watch what it says. 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared For who? For those who love them, for who who love him. But God has revealed them to us. How? Through his spirit. You can only experience open eyes, open ears if you're able to truly love God. But that love is something that can only be revealed by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? That's why it can't be a head type of love. It has to be a love that comes into your heart that only the Holy Spirit can reveal to us. Are you guys with me? And then, based on that, that's how we serve Him. That's how we run our race. That's why the relationship with God is so important. When I say relationship with God, over the last few months, especially the Holy Spirit has been putting on my heart very strong that you must learn about the Holy Spirit. The church must learn and understand the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Because He is here. He is with us. He's our teacher. He's our comforter. So Paul is crying out to the Father, but asking the Father that the Holy Spirit would be the one that would give us this this strength and this power to comprehend this type of love that is so deep and so wide and so long. Why? Because the church is doing all of their stuff and carrying on with church life, but they're starting to lose something. They're starting to lose the most important thing. What's it all about? Why do we serve Him? Why do we follow Him? Because there's no greater love than this, than to lay down your life for your friend. He laid His life down. He died for you and me. You must understand. When you've been broken... When you've been hurt, when you come from the pit, when you come from brokenness, when you come from addiction, when you come from from being lost and you all of a sudden get saved and your life begins to change and your marriage gets restored and your children get healed, you begin to recognize that there is a love that is not here, that is not something you can comprehend with your mind, but it comes from your heart. Are you with me? He says, verse eighteen, Ephesians three eighteen, that we should be, first. He says, grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the breadth and the height, to know the love of Christ which parts us knowledge. Now watch, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What? Are you saying that I can be filled? That I can be filled with the fullness of God? This is not a typo, guys. Paul wrote this. How many of you desire more of God? In other places, Paul writes this. He writes, I pray for you that you will come to the knowledge of God, that you will begin to experience this God, that you will be full of God. Look at what it says in the Amplified. Let's read the same verse in the Amplified, Ephesians 19. Uh, Ephesians 3.19. The reason why I want to read it out of the Amplified is because it amplifies the Greek language. And you can't get the full Greek language in in, in English. You've got to amplify it. So let's amplify it. Is that okay? Watch what he says. That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself. The love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Amen. He prays to the Father, asks the Father that the Spirit will strengthen us with this power that will give us the ability, only the Holy Spirit can do this, the ability to understand that Christ actually dwells in us and this Jesus that dwells in us he loves us so much. That's why our faith must be grounded in Him, but it must be grounded in love because it's that love that will cause us to serve Him. Listen, it's not about how many times I fall. It's not, I don't even want to fall. It's not because I feel like I'm under the law. I'm not under the law because of this or because of that. It's because I've started to understand that this love, this love, so great a love, there's no greater love than this. And I begin to understand that He died for me. And then Then I begin to love him back out of choice, out of relationship, out of intimacy. I was talking to a man in this week and he was telling me all about the stuff that happened in his life and how bad the church was and all of this. And he's right, the church is terrible often. And what happened was he was sharing with me and I could tell he didn't know the Holy Spirit. He didn't know him. Everything was here. Nothing was here. God doesn't want you to know Him for when you get to heaven to meet Him. He wants to meet you now. He wants to have a relationship with you now. He wants you to serve Him now. He wants you to love Him back now. That's why Paul prayed desperately that the Holy Spirit would strengthen these people. That they would begin to understand That the fullness of that God, you if you can fully understand love, you can experience the fullness of God. We will never get there completely. What's so amazing? Let's just read the rest, and I'll tell you what's so amazing. You guys okay? Verse 19: to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think this God of ours is able to do those those few words exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think all the scholars agree that only God could have given Paul that language because it describes the love of God and the ability of God which is far above anything we can ever comprehend but remember I has not seen, ear has not heard you will never comprehend even in your heart the things which God has prepared for those who love Him, those who love Him, those who love Him if you can understand that love and begin to serve Him, not out of obligation, not to get to heaven but because you love Him back, because He first laid His life down for you and now you begin to comprehend and begin to understand in your inner man in your inner parts and you begin to be able to love him back then all of a sudden you become stronger you begin to overcome more you begin to raise your kids differently you begin to speak differently you begin to think differently you cannot do it you cannot do it but if you understand that love if you've tasted and seen and you know that love then he is able to do abundantly far more above anything you could ever possibly comprehend in you What a prayer, what a prayer, what a prayer that he prayed. And look what he says. He says, To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Man, if only we would get it. That the whole reason we we hear is because of that love. And he desires so greatly that we would understand it, not here, but here. And have that desire to serve him back and follow him back and love him back. I think of the woman with the issue of blood that was willing to risk her reputation just to get to him. I think of the blind bottom who cried out to him because he, he believed that he could touch him. I think of that, those few that carried the paralytic man up the roof because they believed that he could set, them free, set their, their friend free. Jesus stands on the boat and he says, follow me and the fishermen drop everything and they go and they follow him. They don't understand why. Ultimately, the result of everything Jesus did was pure love. Pure love pure love. Now I want to show you something. I didn't do this in the first service. Go with me in your Bibles real quick. Guys in the back, you'll have to be quick. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2. Let me just find it real quick. Verse number 1. Watch this now. Paul wrote this letter long before the book of Revelation was written to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil and have tested those who say they are apostles but are not and have found them to be liars. I And have... And, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Watch this now. Ooh. Man! <laughs> that you have left your first love. Wow. Paul wrote this letter with a plea for the church at Ephesus that did everything right, praying that God would reveal that love to them. And ultimately, they lost their first love. I want to encourage you this morning, church. We can do church in many different ways. We can serve, we can build ministries, we can do a whole lot of stuff. But if we forget the primary reason why we're here and why we serve Him and to do it in return, to not lose, to not let go of our first love, it's all in vain. So many Christians struggle in their walk with God because they don't understand that it's all about love. Let's not become personally And corporately, like the church at Ephesus, that ended up forgetting the most important part. Are you guys okay? Is everybody with me this morning? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, this morning that we that know you, that have given our hearts to you, everyone in this room that has accepted Jesus, we are en route to heaven. We serve you, we love you. And we do a lot of things, Father. We serve and we do you groups and we do Bible studies and we teach about you and we talk about you. But I pray this morning, Father. That like Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. That Holy Spirit, you would come this morning and that you would strengthen each and every person with power, Lord. And that we would begin to understand that this salvation that we have, that Christ that dwells in us. Father, let that salvation and what He did, let it be grounded and rooted in love. What You did, but now we too choose to love You back, Father. So I pray, Lord, that we would begin to, by the Spirit, understand the lengths and the depths and the widths and the heights of Your love and that as we begin to seek after you, Lord, and begin to understand and in, our, in, our, in our spirit, in our heart, Father, just how wonderful you really are, that you would be revealed to us and that you would fill us up, God, with more of you. Father, I pray for every family. I pray for every person. Everyone comes here with different problems and situations that they're dealing with. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that this morning, They would have hope again. Hope in the fact that you have done everything for us, prepared everything for us, so that we could be successful in our walk with you. We love you and we honor you and we worship you in this place. All of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen.